0: I don't know if any of you have read this book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, Stephen Covey writes, uh, he, he's, he's just amazing. You know, a pastor has read this, and he actually kind of turned me on to it. And it's a, Well, it's a secular book. There's a lot of principles to be uh, drawn from this book. But I, I wanted to share a little something out of this tonight as I've been reading it. It just opened my eyes. And um, I'm going to give you a little bit of... History on how this all came about and how this lesson came up tonight. I have, uh, you know, most of you know I'm in the home remodeling business and I've been doing that for some years now. And I'm looking to focus and get more streamlined in my efforts. And so, in doing that, I've, I've got a market segment that I'd like to gear towards. Can you take a little heat off of this? Thanks. And um, in doing that, I want to make sure that I'm making the right decision. So I've had to plan and prepare and forecast and meditate and soul search and all these things that go into making a decision that is, I mean, it's it's a big decision, a career path. I think we all can agree. And especially as a male in a household, you know, when you make these types of decisions, you know they're not going to just affect yourself. So you go into these things with intention. And as I've been doing this, I'm realizing a lot of work goes into putting together a business plan. There's market analysis cash flow analysis. Um, you want to go ahead and, and find out who's been doing it around you, demographic studies, who's your target audience. And um, cash. when it comes to the cash flow, you've got to consider all of your income and your outgo and your accounts receivable, accounts payables. And it just starts to get real hairy real fast. And an average business plan is about 40 to 50 pages. It could take an upwards of a year to complete to get it ready. And the purpose of a business plan is I'm learning is to help you to know whether or not this is gonna be a successful business. So, and what you put together, all the information you're gathering, you're learning about whether or not you really like it, you're learning about whether or not there's really a demand, and you're learning about whether or not you're gonna be able to fill that demand within your community with the resources that you have available to you, your personality type, and there's so many dynamics to this. About, I'm about a quarter of a way through maybe my business plan, and I had this revelation as i'm as I'm pulling together data and I'm making sacrifices to get the things that I need to get to make this thing come together. It's like the Lord said to me, "Huh, wouldn't it be cool if you spent this much time figuring out my plan for you? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, so uh reality check, you know you kind of get stuck on on hold and co-worker of mine and I were talking over dinner and uh, one of the questions that was asked was, you know, how do you how do you perform life? How do you do all that needs to be done in a in a twenty-four-hour time period, accomplish all that well, yet still maintain relationships, you know, still have time to have fun, do the things that you want to do, take care of yourself, your health. You're, you know, and then minister to people. Take time out to smell the roses. Maybe stop and talk to that person you wouldn't ordinarily talk to and witness the love of Christ. And how do you cram all that into our busy life today? Well, in putting together my business plan, I'm thinking, okay, I want to avoid that situation. I don't want to be that guy that that can't take the time to love people and be courteous and patient and, and all those things. And but at the same time, I want to make sure that I'm fulfilling all that needs to be fulfilled to, to earn an income to my household. And, and then I want to have a spiritual life where I can connect with my father and him alone. And, you know, you get all these things going on. Well, page 95 of this book opened my eyes to something. I want to take you all on a, on a short little journey with me. I know it's Wednesday night. I know... We're all busy. I know, there's, I, can, I know enough of you in here to know that there are certain issues lingering in your lives that maybe occupy some of your mental real estate. And I want you to right now just lay all that down and go on this journey with me. Just take a moment. In your mind's eye, see yourself going to the funeral of a loved one. Picture yourself driving to the funeral either the parlor or the chapel, parking the car and getting out. As you walk inside the building, you notice the flowers and the soft organ music. You see the faces of friends and family as you pass along the way. You feel the shared sorrow of losing, the joy of having known that radiates from the hearts of the people that are there. As you walk down to the front of the room, you look inside the casket. You suddenly come face to face with yourself. This is your funeral three years from today. All these people have come to honor you, to express feelings of love and appreciation for your life. As you take a seat and wait for the services to begin, you look at the program in your hand, and you notice that there are to be four speakers. The first is from your family, immediate and also extended children, brothers, sisters, nephews, nieces, aunts, uncles, cousins, and grandparents who have come from all over the country to attend. The second speaker is one of your friends, someone who can give a sense of what you were as a person. The third speaker is from your work or your profession, and the fourth is from your church or some community organization that you've been involved in service. Now think deeply. What would you like each of these speakers to say about you and your life? What kind of husband, wife, father, or mother would you like their words to reflect? What kind of son or daughter or cousin What kind of friend, what kind of working associate? What character would you like them to have seen in you? What contributions, what achievements would you want them to remember? And then you look carefully at the people around you and what what differences would you like to have made in their lives? As we contemplate these things, He asked the question, you know, who, who am I? Who have I been to those that are around me? Who have I been to those that I've had the opportunity to influence? I have two ways of looking at that for myself, and I know I'm not much different than most of you, in that I, I have a BC life before Christ, and I have an after-death life. And I know that my perspective shifted drastically after I gave my life to Christ, and just as I mentioned before, there are a lot of folks who maybe in spite of um, all that's going on around us in this crazy world, you know we look at the turmoil the economic dysfunction the social dysfunction you know the the the, the breakdown of the world as we know it, and even just recently there was a an epidemic, or I don't know what you want to call it. What, you remember when all those birds fell out of the sky and all the fish washed up on Folly Beach off the coast of California? And I mean, it was just of biblical proportions. I know that there were a lot of folks who were stunned and startled and, and shoved into a place where they started to contemplate wow, well, you know, the Bible might be real. Maybe I should start to get things on track. Churches filled, and I know even in a small group that we have gathered on a, on a pretty regular basis, a young man came in, and as a result of those phenomena, said, You know, I, I, it really got me thinking about the, the fact that Jesus Christ is going to come, and you know, I, I really don't want to be left behind, and I, I want to be an example for my children. And so he was scared into the presence of God, and after giving his life to Christ, it was almost like you sensed this holy sigh. But unfortunately, I think it was one of which I think Billy Graham can relate to, or maybe, is uh, it Kirk Cameron that does the Way of the Master and the ministry? Where there's they'll go out and they'll minister and they'll use the Word of God and, and the precepts that we all know and love and hold dear to our hearts to shed light on the sin in people's lives and maybe to give hope to the hopeless even. And so many cards are signed and so many lives are given to the Lord, yet so few are followed up with or even followed through on. And I think for a lot of those folks, it was the end or a means to an end. And what I want to talk about tonight is, you know, we, are, we die daily. Paul says that we're to, we're to lay ourselves at the cross daily. We're to give our lives over to the Lord on a daily basis And begin our faith all over again. Start over. He wants us to remain as little children, the Lord does. One of the precepts that I would like you to get a hold of, and Matt, you can put this on the screen, is that I would like us to begin with the end in mind. When we ponder the majesty of the kingdom and that there's a day and for the joy set before us that we will dwell with our Father in heaven for all eternity... There's that day lingering in our future, and that is a great day. The Lord says, occupy until he comes. And in that occupying, I want us to start that walk with the end in mind because there's going to come a great day, a great harvest that's going to come forth as a result of our lives as individuals. Each of you has a ministry that I couldn't do, that Bill couldn't do, that Terry couldn't do, we all have our own unique circle of influence that God has given to us and granted to us, and it's a gift, and we should take that with great responsibility and cherish that. But as we, as we consider the life that we're going to live now as Christians, we need to look at the future, the day, and, and today is our future. We don't live for tomorrow. The Lord says we don't live from yesterday or for yesterday. We're to live Now, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. But I want you to begin each day and each moment with the end in mind. We're going to receive crowns on behalf of the souls that were won through us. And I think that's cool. And I I mean, I think that's just a a, a license to be selfish. (laughs) I mean, not that we, you know, I want to preach that you all go out and be selfish. But if it means accumulating crowns, go ahead, do it. The Lord has given us that that is a prize that we have to look forward to. Um, there's a, you know, in, in the life that we live, there's going to be a legacy. I love the name of this church because I think what we're doing as Christians is we're leaving a legacy and we should be leaving a good legacy. I think about a, a time when I was in, I was living in Miami and my brother and I, um, went to public school. We lived in a community called Royal Green. He was four years older than I was and and is. When he went through middle school, there was four years of middle school, and then there's four years of high school. Well, I'm in elementary school as he's in middle school. And all the while that he's going through those four years of middle school, he's leaving a legacy. You know that's true. Well, his little brother came in after him. I tell you, mixed emotions. I I could have been bipolar as a result of this experience in my life. And that is because the teachers were frightened by him. My brother was a, uh, he was a go-getter. I think if, if ADD was diagnosed back then, he was probably ADD. But he had a, he had a, a personality. That was, he, was just, he was wild and crazy and fun-loving and hard to get under control. But he was cool. I, my brother was cool. And he was a ladies' man. And I tell you, when he left, there was a lot of 6th and 7th graders that had a big crush on him. And they couldn't wait for his little brother to come to the school. And so, when I walked on the scene, it was like I walked into this shadow of his legacy i didn 't even have an opportunity to introduce myself as Noah I was chris 's little brother, and that was great amongst my peers, but with the teachers and principals and authorities, not so much so I had to earn I had to earn a, a place in their heart. But uh, I say that because our life is a lot like that we 're going to we put that picture of the and I think what we, this, this, a lot of you who were at Encounter here recently, you, you recognize this. This is a ripple effect caused by what we choose to do in our lives. If you picture, whenever you see this image, and I hope this is burned in your psyche after tonight, you've got to think, this is what we use to, to illustrate transgression when we talk through Encounter. But if you can picture sin being a pebble that you drop into a body of water. The sin, being that pebble, causes transgression, or iniquity, rather. That sin causes an iniquity that moves through the generations. And I'm not going to go through all the details on that, but each sin that you commit has an effect, and it goes into generations. But the truth applies as well to obedience being dropped in that same body And it sends out blessings. And tonight I want to talk about beginning with the end in mind. Because if we live a life of Christianity and worthy of being called Christians, we need to understand that we're not living for ourselves. Just as Jesus walked through the tribulations and trials that he walked through while he lived on earth, he did all of that what for the joy set before him. He began his walk on this earth with the end in mind you understand because if he focused on every moment that was taking place to him i don't think he that could, i don't think that would have lasted very long at least not if i was in his shoes so if we can do that if we can walk with the end in mind then it'll help us you know um i talked about this business plan and um as I've as I've been as I got to that place where the Lord has showed me, you know, you need to start focusing more on what I have prepared for you than what you're trying to prepare for yourself. It caused me to dwell less and less on the material things in life. Um, I wrote here. I said, you know, it caused me the the clothes that I wear, the cars that I drive, the toys that myself and my family accumulate, how cool people think I am whether or not I attend that big sporting event or even simply go to church. More and more, I consider what legacy is going to be left in my my absence. What love did I deposit in those closest to me? Is my life reflecting the Lord? And is my walk looking like the walk that He's called for me? We have to realize that every day of our life, we have a choice. Every moment of our life, we have that choice to you know, I drew it once in the past, but if you can picture, you know, there's, this, there's a lot of arguments surrounding whether or not um, our lives are predetermined, predestined, if God knows every outcome of everything in our life. The truth is yes and no. Yes, because he has provided a way through every decision that we're going to make, and every bad decision we make opens a door down the path to another good decision, opportunity. He's always giving us, as long as we have breath in our body, He's giving us the opportunity to come back to Him, to come back to Him. But we have choices, and as we choose, we can end up getting further and further and further away. But nonetheless, He always gives us that option to come back to Him. There's a promise that was given to us in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 30, verses 11 through 20. This is a, a lengthy scripture, but I do want to read this. Um, if, Matt, if you go ahead and post it, I'm going to read it off of that because I have a different version that I printed off. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 20, here we go, all right, 11 through 20. For this commandment which I command you today, it is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven and, uh, for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go uh, over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. in your mouth well, go back, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. In that, I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways and keep His commandments, His statutes and His judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over to the Jordan to go and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live. That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him. For he is your life, the length of your days. And that you may dwell in the land which your Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He has set before us death and life. I think it's so exciting that because he loves us, he gave us the option of life because we don't deserve that. Once once the the, the, decep- the deceiver came in and Adam and Eve fell... We really didn't deserve that, but yet He came to draw us back to Him. And not only that, but He blesses those decisions that we make. This just tells me that we need to live deliberately. If you get nothing more out of tonight, I want you to get this. We must live deliberately. When you wake up, do it on purpose. When you walk out of that door, you walk out as if you had a you, you were doing it on purpose. Your day is... Is ordained. It's planned. So many scriptures tell us that our day is planned. So many songs that I hear. In fact, I got an excerpt from a song. I'm not going to play it, guys, so don't worry about it. But as I sat in Chick-fil-A yesterday and I was listening, I was just talking to the Lord and and just trying to spend some time in His presence and, and just hear from Him and meditate on this word. Four songs back to back talking about the promises that He has for us, that He is with us, He'll guide us. Um, One in particular is, this is your life. Are you who you want to be? You know, these things are speaking to me. I'm like, wow, the Holy Spirit's voice is coming through these speakers right now. And I'm listening. I'm looking around at other people thinking, are they hearing it the way I'm hearing it? But he was speaking to my heart. And I don't know of any other songs that that go that that deep into what it was that he was doing specifically. But um, it was just a call to action for me. Even as I was sitting there in Chick-fil-A, it was a call to action on my part. And it really, at first, it became, you know, I was just thinking, wow, Lord, thanks, I have something I can share with the people. Did you notice as you were reading, or as I was reading Deuteronomy, and next time, when you go through Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 through 20, I want you to go through and underline how many "u's" you see in there. Because I'm thinking, all right, this is going to be good for them. This is going to be good for the hearers of the word. I'm just going to read the first few. Now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven that you have to ask. He says, this is not beyond the sea that you have to ask. It is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. And I'm thinking, all right, God, I'm getting getting the picture. It's not about them. It's about me. And I'm just thankful that he's dealing with me in this. But it was a call to obedience for me. He's clearly spelled out his desires from my heart. And I just wanna be up here tonight as an encouragement to you that he's called you to action as well. And I know I might have this um, evangelistic uh, disposition when it comes to speaking, and I might not get deep into the ashes of the red heifer or perhaps some of the deeper theological explanations of some of uh, the precepts in God's word, but I do know this, that we are called to live out a life worthy of being called disciples of Christ. And in order to do this, we have got to live deliberately. We've got to walk out the door each day with him on our mind and in our heart to move into the promises that he has for us because this scripture that I just read to you is true. And this scripture is true. He says, the steps of the righteous are ordered. In fact, go ahead and throw that up there if you want. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. And you know that's not gender specific. We are, our steps are ordered. And He, our Father, delights in us as we walk in His ways, as we walk in His Word. All the things that He given us, He didn't give us just so that we can have a good church meeting and a, and a good hoorah session. You know, we're all going to have a eulogy that's going to be read one day. If the Lord tarries. And uh, I just want us to consider, as I read that story to start the night. I just, I just really wanted to spark in you something that would cause you to contemplate: What is it that people are going to say about me when I'm dead and gone? What legacy did I leave? What inheritance did I leave? How do you want to be remembered? Are your kids going to remember? Were you a good tipper? We had this discussion last night. We were over kicking chicken, talking about tipping and how you know what what conversation goes into tipping, you know. We won't get into all that. Were you patient? Did you have time for your kids? Did you make time for them? And how was that time spent when it was? Were you a giver? Not just of your tithe, but your time to others, your resource, your talents. Were you a giver? Were you a lover? I mean, truly, deep down. I know that all of us want to be a lover. We think we're Christians and God is love. And if he's in us, then love abides within us. And, okay, that, that's great. And that precept is true. But are you a lover? Do you let that exude from your very pores when you're around people? Do they see you as loving? Truly loving? That's a big one, guys. In this world, it's almost, ex- I mean, it's expected that people not be loving. I mean, I remember when I moved here from Miami, Florida, I got to Charleston, South Carolina. I went downtown. I was living for the devil. I was living like the devil. I was downtown and I walked through one of those back alleys and you know those cobblestone streets and at night after a rain, it looks like a Hollywood film. It's just kind of, we have some great architecture in the city. But as you're walking through those dark alleys and this narrow, here comes a, another passerby, and I immediately take on a, you know, where's my wallet? You know, I have my knife. We all right here because you know I'm starting to get. And this person, I never got to got their name, but hey, y'all, how you doing? This, you know, they had the southern draw, and I'm like, yo, what's up? You know, I'm all defensive. You know, I grew up around hate and 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 impatience, and you know, there's always some reason to be skeptical around people. But this person was just as happy-go-lucky and just, hey, how you doing? And that caught me off. And that was weird. It was off. I was off guard. I just like, what's up with this? They, I mean, that was just a genuine love in them, or maybe just a like, or just that southern hospitality, whatever you want to call it, but it was weird to me. Because the world I came from, you didn't do that. And I know New York is a whole other level. Like, people from New York that come here, and you try to be nice to them, are like, what do you want? Nothing. Just hi. I mean, chill. You know? Take a chill pill. But, uh, were you a lover? I mean we need to break the stereotype just because the world expects something and we don't want to give give them that. Were you of good character? Guys. Were you a doer of the word and not just a hearer? These are the things that are going to be discussed after your passing. Nobody's going to care about how many cars you owned. They're not going to get go up there and be like, Yeah, he left a, a Maserati. It was beautiful. Was blue. Didn't get really good gas mileage, but had Z-rated tires and uh, twin turbos. People aren't going to bore you with that when you're gone. They're going to want to know your character. They're going to want to know who you were. Don't make them have to lie. Really. What are your coworkers going to say? First of all, do your coworkers even know that you're a Christian? Do they, right now, do your coworkers know, without a shadow of a doubt, this person is a Christian, do not cuss around them. Or do people just have their way? And GD this, and you know, I was so wasted last night, you should have been there, and ha, ha, ha. Do, how are we perceiving our workplace? Are they going to be shocked when they show up at your funeral to find out, oh, they were saved? Cool, I'm I guess. What's that? What's saved? Who's Jesus? I'm not trying to be a downer, I promise, but I do want to get these points across because there's going to come that day. Were you on time? Were you an on-time person? Were you a good steward of the time that you had while you were here? Were you a complainer or were you a problem solver? Were you level-headed? Were you humble? Would people say that you were humble? As we come down for a landing tonight, I just want us to uh, to reflect on the fact that God's given us today. You can't live with the mentality that says, I'll get to it. I'm planning on it. One day I'll I will. You might not have that day. You have tonight, though. And I want to encourage you tonight. If I can challenge you. That would be to go home tonight, there's somebody on your mind right now that you've been thinking about talking to about the Lord, or maybe that coworker that you you just saw in your head that you just you've never had the guts to face. Maybe it's your boss. But I want to challenge you tonight. this might seem silly and, and put you out of place, but I want you to do this and I want to challenge you go home and start working on your business plan. And the business I'm referring to is the business with God, because you and God have business to do together. And he wants you to start your walk with him with the end in mind. He wants you to see, he wants you to, doesn't his word say that my people perish for lack of, and doesn't he say that where there is no vision, my people, I believe that if we get a better revelation of him through getting in his word and studying him, he will give us knowledge about who we are and what our destiny is in him. And he's going to give you a business plan. He has written it on your heart. Before you were born, he knew what that plan was for you. It's just up to us to get into connection with him and a relationship with him that we might gain the knowledge from him of who it is that we are in him and to walk that thing out. And then break it back down to I mean dream big too, guys. I mean look big because I know Kelly had, I'm going to throw you under the bus just for a second and won't hurt real bad. But she, she started off with a passion in her heart for women and children that are sold into slavery. It started off with children. And just because we have our two little girls, just the very thought of one of our little girls getting sold into some pedophile ring, oh, it's just ouch. And that right now there's how many, 1.0 or 2.5 million people or 21 million the statistics I'm not too clear on. But nonetheless, 27 million people that are in human trafficking conditions right now, human slavery, 27 million people as we sit here tonight talking that are bound to human slavery. And and it's huge, 27 million. My wife had has a vision to see that abolished. And she thinks, at first, who am I? I'm just... Little Kelly Pruitt here in Charleston, South Carolina. You know, she wants to make connections. She wants to call people, but who am I? Who's gonna take me seriously? I'm just I just work at Habitat. I don't make any money. I'm practically a volunteer. I just love people and that's all I've got. But she's quickly coming to the realization as she's pressing in and, and pursuing that big dream to realize that she can do something huge. And we're endeavoring together to believe that the Lord's going to cause things to work on our behalf and work in our favor and to allow us to make a huge dent. There was an image that was given to us at ski invasion one year. It was a few years ago. You guys probably remember this. But uh, there was a young person that was walking on the beach and grabbing a starfish, and he'd launch it into the ocean. And there was, I mean, millions of starfish washed up on the beach. And he went over and he grabbed another one and he launched that one off into the sea. And a couple other guys walked up, seeing him do this, and they're like, What is this kid doing? He'd grab another one and he'd launch it. And they finally asked, what, What's the deal? I mean, I've, we've been watching you and we see you just going back and forth, grabbing a starfish, throwing it in the water. What's, what, what, are you, what are you trying to accomplish by this? He said, I want to save him. They looked down the beach, and as far as you can see, it was covered. It's like, you you really think that you're going to save all of these starfish? You really think that? he just kept picking them up, almost ignoring those kids. And he'd launch them. He was sweating. I mean, he'd been there for hours. He's just launching them. And they asked him again, hey, did you listen to us? Are you trying to save all these starfish? He said, no. I'm going to save this one. And little by little, he was just doing it. Now, I don't know that kid ever saved all the starfish, but I do know that he saved that one. It was a big undertaking. It was huge. But he had to see that there was a purpose in that, lest it seem futile for him to even try for that one. And I want to encourage you guys tonight as you go home, and I do really want you to take this seriously. Ask the Lord to give you a plan, a blueprint for your life that's going to glorify him. Kingdom business. What has he called you to do? What impact has he called you to make in this earth? Because we're only here for a season. Our lives are like a vapor. It comes and it goes. And there's going to be a eulogy read about you one day. And there could be amazing testimony shared that day at your funeral. There's going to be many, many, many seeds that you have sown in your life that for decades past, you're not you're not going to be here to see them. You're going to go through life just being obedient before the Lord. You're going to pass. And for decades, there's going to be impact. People... Like the youth today, I'm not going to see the fruit of all the labor, but that's not my, that's not my job. I'm a sower. I'm a sower. I'm going to die, and maybe they'll get a revelation on it. Pastor, pastor Noah said this one time, that's in, and our pastor says that he wants to be remembered by the things that he's, he had sown in us. And that's the, the Lord is calling us to, to, to live a life all out for him. We're not going to see all the fruit in this lifetime. But who cares? It's not for us to see. That becomes selfish. But tonight, when you go home asking, Lord, reveal to me what impact I can make. And just break it down into categories. and Look at it like you're writing a business plan, for real. Do a study, a demographic study. Who's your audience? Who's your target audience? Who is it you're trying to impact? If somebody reads your business plan, is it going to make sense? Hopefully not. Because if it's God's plan, it's probably not going to make sense to the carnal mind. But you do want it to make sense to your spirit and the Holy Spirit because he's going to be reading that thing. And he's going to want to 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 mark it up and you've got to let him. And a business plan is always evolving. It's growing. It's moving. It's shifting. It's shaking. As you're learning more, you're adding and taking away. But let that be a lifelong process between you and the Father that you can commune with him. And I know I'm taking this carnal way of life or this, this secular mindset, but the Lord gave us... The Lord gave us tools and examples on earth to reflect what it is he's doing in heaven. And I believe that diligence, perseverance, stick-to-itiveness is definitely some of those attributes that we glean in our secular society from God's precepts. So as we go tonight, I just want you to, to, to focus on that and really, truly allow the Lord to work with you in that area. I challenge you.